0: This is a Kelly's Angels production. Hi everyone, I'm Mark Mulholland and welcome to The Upbeat, a podcast about perseverance and hope from Kelly's Angels. This is a show for anyone who knows what it's like to face loss and adversity. It's all about getting through grief and rediscovering joy in life. Thank you for listening.
1: This episode of The Upbeat is sponsored by... The Bobear Family Fund, News Channel 13, and Mohawk Honda.
0: Elaine Gibb of Glens Falls, New York, is a wife, mother of three grown children, and a breast cancer survivor who's battled the disease three different times. Elaine and her youngest daughter, Jessie, are teaming up to brighten the lives of people who've suffered serious illness or loss. They're putting together a book of first-hand recollections from adults whose childhoods were affected by the loss or illness of a loved one. Their book is going to be called Scooby-Doo Pajamas, and we're going to learn why that title is significant on today's episode of The Upbeat, and how some of you listening might be able to help them. Let me start with you, Elaine. Tell me about the Scooby-Doo Pajamas book and the idea behind
2: it. Okay, the idea behind it, and this has been a few years in the making, kind of triggered by Jessie's uh, essay that she wrote in college, but we're looking to get submissions from people who went through something as a child. A loss of a loved one, the illness of a loved one. It could even be themselves. If they had an injury or an illness, and how they came out the other side and looking back at it as a grown up. Um, And we, we want to target, for the people that read the book, we want to target caregivers who are going through something similar and are worried about their kids and read these stories by people that went through it as a child and where they are now and obviously I mean you know better than anybody stories don't always have a happy ending but the kids get through it and how they got through it and to offer these people a little bit of hope that hey my kids are going to be okay even though you know I get emotional talking about it but even though we don't know what's going to end up happening we don't know if it's going to end up good or bad The kids will have the support out there. Somebody will help them through. They're more resilient. I know we always say that, kids are resilient. But they go through it. And they see more, and they hear more, and they know more than we give them credit for.
0: Can you tell me about the title of the book?
2: Scooby-Doo Pajamas. Um, Jessie, when she was little, she was a Scooby-Doo fan. She had Scooby-Doo stuffed animals, and uh, I think her dad called her Scooby-Doo for years. And when I was, first diagnosed, knew I was gonna be going through treatments. Um, Just to keep things light and (laughs) fun, so to speak, I bought myself a pair of pajamas that looked like hospital scrubs, with Scooby-Doo on them. And that was that. But her essay in college was about how Scooby-Doo ended up being her hero and getting her through the time when Mommy was sick.
0: Had you even remembered that?
2: No, she asked me at one point, she goes, you know, after she was grown, she's like, Mom, was there something when you were sick about Scooby-Doo? I'm like, "Oh." Well, didn't, was there something, and the more we talked about it, I thought, oh, yeah, I, I think I had a pair of pajamas. They're long gone. And, uh, oh, okay, so that's where, that, but that was in her memory. That was in the four-year-old's memory.
0: Jesse, your mom mentioned that your college essay inspired this project. Would you mind reading it for us?
3: Sure. Don't cry. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. Four, eight, 17, and three. What do these numbers mean to you? Four, the age when I loved my mom's Scooby-Doo pajamas. Eight, the age when I heard my sister cry in her bedroom at night. 17, the age when I fully realized reality. Three, the total number of times my mom has survived breast cancer. This is not a sad story. It's a tale about Scooby-Doo pajamas. Mom laid on the couch, resting, and I played on the floor with my toys. On good days, Mom wore her Scooby-Doo pajamas. The pants were light blue with a drawstring, and the top splattered with Scooby-Doo heads. I yearned for a pair just like them, but I got a Scooby-Doo body pillow instead. That would have to do. On this day, when I was four years old, the sun shone through the big bay window and cast its its gleam across the floor. Mom was asleep on the couch with one arm above her head. Scooby-Doo pajamas meant fun, but they also meant tiredness and sleep. Mom was always tired. This made the environment a little gloomy and dismal. The best things about tired days were Scooby-Doo pajamas, not the tears behind closed doors. Happy times on tired days were rubbing Mom's head because it was so smooth. The number one best thing was cuddling up to those Scooby-Doo pajamas. They brought me comfort in a time of everyone else's sadness, and I will be forever grateful for those blue pieces of cloth. Scooby-Doo may be a measly cartoon who sniffs around for fake bad guys, but he is a true crime stopper to me. He defended my mom and made the worst days the best. To a four-year-old, Scooby-Doo pajamas are full of blessings. They create miracles for mommies who are sick.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Jesse. It was really terrific, and I'm sure so many of our listeners can relate in some way. Tell me what you remember about your mom's illness when you were growing up.
3: I sort of describe it to people as just little snapshots, especially when I was so young. If someone asked me to pull a specific memory from when I was four or five, I probably couldn't do it, but it's just little images of what I remember. So, you know, the book cover that we have is an exact image of what I have in my head and kind of where the story came from. it's just, I remember seeing different things, probably not being able to put words to it at the time, what I was feeling um, or what was actually happening, but it was just snapshots of knowing something isn't quite right, but just still being allowed to, play, be a kid, be with my siblings, be with my parents, and still just have that support system. But just you kind of know something isn't quite right, but it's just you kind of still live your life as a kid.
0: We're going to take a quick break to thank our underwriters. When we come back, we'll hear more from Elaine and Jesse about the Scooby-Doo Pajamas Project and how some of our listeners might help.
1: Support for The Upbeat comes from The Bobear Family Fund, which supports charitable organizations that efficiently use the resources they have to make a disproportional impact on the world around them. WNYT News Channel 13, the NBC-affiliated TV news station providing breaking news, sports, and weather to viewers in New York's Capital Region as well as Berkshire County, Massachusetts and Bennington, Vermont. And Mohawk Honda, a family-owned car dealership serving New York's Capital Region, Beyond selling new and used Honda vehicles and providing high-quality auto service and parts, Mohawk Honda has an unwavering commitment to the community it serves. Learn more at MohawkHonda.com. If your business would like to be an underwriter and help Kelly's Angels, email us at theupbeatpod at gmail.com.
0: We're back with Elaine and Jesse Gibb from Glens Falls, New York. They're compiling a book of memories and essays from adults who, as children, grew up in a family dealing with the loss or illness of a loved one. Elaine, Jessie is your youngest, but you have two children who are older than her. Describe how your health battle impacted your children differently based on their ages at the time
2: and their personalities. My oldest was 13. She knew too much. It was just, she thought she had to be the strong one, she had to be there for her brother and sister, and she was. But she knew too much. She you know, was worried all the time. My son was 10. He was just kind of, don't tell me more than I need to know. And we told them from day one, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And every day when I got him up for school, he'd say, is today a good day or a bad day? If I said it's a good day, then that's all he needed to know. Jessie was four. She was just there. <laughs> and she was, hey, mom, how was your chemo treatment today? She would rub my bald head. She'd, we never had to explain much to her. But then 18 years later, 19 years later, when I read her essay of what she observed as a four-year-old, it, it just blew my mind. So kids all react differently. Uh, I think we need to give them a little bit more credit than we do. And then, so just looking to give the caregivers of today hope that their kids are going to be okay.
0: Part of that hope is to see where children who grow up around illness or loss end up when they're older. Jesse, you're finishing your degree to be a Child Life Specialist. Tell us what that career will entail.
3: So, Child Life Specialists, they help children cope while they're in the hospital. So, whether it's them as a patient um, going through a surgery or they're for any sort of illness um, or they're for grief support if they're there for a parent or another family member, um, they just sort of help educate and cope with any sort of hospital visit or stay. How do you suppose
0: your own personal experience has factored into that
3: it's really shaped what i want to do with my career Um, in college i heard about that career path i'd never heard of it before i didn't meet one throughout all of our visits to the hospital Um, but i just knew once i heard the term child life specialist i was like that's that's it i've always known i wanted to work with kids and i always said maybe in a hospital setting not quite sure what i want to do but as soon as i heard that i just knew that's what i had to what I had to do.
0: How do you hope your book will help others who have experienced loss or illness in their families?
3: I think they would look at it and say, Wow, you know, there's
2: so much of it out there. So everybody has a story. And, you know, when we first started this idea, it's been a couple of years in the making. We put little things out on Facebook, really trying to get the word out. So many people said, This is a great idea. I have a story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you my story. And we didn't get a story. Because it's painful to go back and sit down and write down those thoughts and ideas of when you were a child. But I go back to, a f- I was involved with the strides walk in, in Queensbury. And I never wanted to be the poster child for breast cancer. Didn't want to wear a pink bracelet, none of that. But Keith Davidson, who was the regional director at the time, said to me, if you can help one person by wearing that pink bracelet, and they approach you to ask you about it, isn't it worth it? Yeah. So that's my thought now. If you can help one person by going back and writing down those memories, it's also very therapeutic to write things down. It could help you, and it will definitely help someone else.
3: My goal is just to make sure that people know that whatever you're feeling is okay. I think I've had the hardest, that's the hardest thing I've come to terms with is whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whatever you're feeling about it is fine, and so for parents to know that whatever their kids are going through is fine, that they're gonna be okay no matter how they're feeling that day you can still look back on it even if they're not sick anymore, it can still be sad, you can still be angry, you can still feel however you want to feel about it even if they are getting better. What
0: exactly are you hoping to receive from others that will help you complete the book?
3: It can be an essay,
2: it can be um, be artwork. Sometimes people can just express themselves through artwork that sort of show what your story was. any way that you want to you know, let us know. I, what I'm picturing is kind of a, um, my oldest daughter actually mentioned this, almost like a chicken soup for the soul type of book. That, and again, all stories don't end out positive. We get that. that it, but we're just looking to try to turn something positive out of a negative situation.
3: We really appreciate having the chance to be able to get it out like this. It is a great way to just, for people to know that things will get
0: better. If you'd like to submit an essay, blog, or piece of artwork for the Scooby-Doo Pajamas book, please email Elaine and Jesse at scoobydoo.stories at gmail.com. We're going to close out this episode with my son, Connor, reading a college essay he wrote a few years ago. And I'm proud to say he has shared it with Elaine and Jesse for their book.
4: Tick tock. A clock was ticking in my head, counting downward. I couldn't envision the hands coming to a halt but I knew it was inevitable, and the time would soon come. Tick-tock. I needed time to slow down. I begged. I pleaded with time, but it was hopeless. Time wouldn't yield. Time was merciless and didn't care how much I begged or pleaded. A shadowy figure blocked my view of the TV, and my mind returned to my body. It was my aunt. I knew why she wanted my attention. In my head, I gave one final effort to convince time to slow down knowing that the last few strokes of the clock were approaching. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Connor, it's time. I dreaded this moment. It couldn't actually be happening. Not to me. I felt claustrophobic, like the world was closing in on me. and There was nothing I could do. I rose from my chair, dragging myself upstairs and into my parents' room, where I saw my father's teary eyes looking down at me. Come give your mom one last hug before she goes to heaven my dad said somberly as he pulled me close to my dying mom. I squeezed and squeezed, not wanting to let go, but I knew the clock was winding to its final sweep. I love you, I whispered. Tick tock, tick tock. The clock had reached zero and my time with my mom had expired. I reluctantly let her go in disbelief that this was really it, but it was. We were both too young. She was 32. Things weren't the same after very little talking was done inside the house. My dad, sister, and I all became distant and I became very independent, quiet and shy. I did everything on my own. During this time I started thinking about the world and all that could be better with it. I began to write, jotting down all my ideas and wanting to solve every world issue from a robot that makes your bed to a cure for cancer. The menace that had affected my life profoundly. No problem seemed too big to my curious seven-year-old mind. Years later, still too young for a job, I got the entrepreneurship bug. From selling water and lemonade daily outside Saratoga Racecourse, to begging my dad to take me from garage sale to garage sale to find hidden gems that I could earn a dollar to reinvest. My love for business and working for myself blossomed as I began to notice endless possibilities of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, endless possibilities of entrepreneurship. As I grew and matured, I immersed myself in new business ventures, selling shoes, clothing, software, and phone accessories. Although many failed, it was the lessons I learned from these failures that allowed me to have the occasional success. In 2015, when I was 15 years old, I was elected to the board of a new charity founded in memory of my mom, created by my father. We provide grants to children like me who've lost a parent to cancer. The grants can be used for anything that will bring a smile to the kid's face. Trips, games, Broadway shows. My work on the board gives me a real understanding of professional business and has grown my love for business. It's also shown me that no matter how much, it's also shown me that no matter how small you think you are as an individual, you can make a lasting impact in someone's life. It validates my belief that as long as you're determined and eager to work hard, you can do anything. My experience on the board and in business has taught me to ask, how can I, instead of saying I can't, I've learned to never give up, no matter how daunting the task may seem. And most of all, it taught me in most cases, failure just opens the door for success. I want to be an entrepreneur, not for money, fame, or power, but to make the world a happier, safer not for money or fame or power, but to make the world a happier, safer, easier, and overall better place to live. My name is Connor Mulholland, and I want to change the world.
0: Thanks, bud. I'm proud of you for sharing and for continuing to help others who've experienced loss like you and your sister have. And as Connor's proud dad, I want to let our listeners know that he'll be graduating this May, a year ahead of time, from the University of Buffalo with a degree in finance. And he certainly is well on his way to changing the world. Until next time, I'm Mark Mulholland. Take care and stay on The Upbeat.
1: Special thanks to Emily Yan, a graphic designer and art director who invested her time and talent to create our podcast logo, videographer, editor, and Kelly's Angels board member Lou Graff, coordinating producer and Kelly's Angels board member Jenny Sperano, and all the volunteer Kelly's Angels board members who had a hand in making this podcast possible.
0: And one of those board members is my daughter, McKenna Rose Mulholland, who's been doing a great job as our voiceover talent for this podcast. So thank you, McKenna.
1: You're welcome, Dad. Can I finish now? You bet. Thanks for listening to The Upbeat.